Hello, this is Nikta from Newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Monday, the 11th of January. Under 20,000 fresh coronavirus cases were recorded in the country in the last 24 hours. The total COVID tally stood at the 1.04 crore or 10.4 million mark. Less than 7 lakh samples were tested yesterday, which is the lowest number of tests conducted since the third week of August. Active cases remained under 3 lakh for the 21st day in a row. A little over 150 fresh fatalities were reported in the last 24 hours, which is the lowest single-day death toll in seven and a half months. India's COVID vaccination drive is all set to start in less than a week on January 16th. Three crore frontline workers will be administered the vaccine on a priority basis. This will be followed by nearly 27 crore people above the age of 50 and others with comorbidities. Union Home Minister Amit Shah said today that the coronavirus pandemic may slow down the centre's aspirations to become a $5 trillion economy. He added that the target will be eventually achieved. Moving on to COVID updates from other states, West Bengal Chief Minister Mamta Banerjee announced yesterday that the state government is making arrangements to make COVID-19 vaccines available free of cost in the state. Before this, several other states, including Kerala, Tamil Nadu and Madhya Pradesh, had also promised free vaccines for their citizens once the rollout begins. The Jagannath Puri Temple Administration said yesterday that devotees will no longer be required to produce a coronavirus-negative report for entering the shrine in Puri from January 21st. The decision will remain effective till February 21st. Farmers from various states have been protesting at the borders of Delhi for over 40 days now. Several rounds of talks between the centre and the farm union leaders have not yielded a concrete outcome. Thankfully today, the Supreme Court of India stepped in and expressed its disappointment at the deadlock between the central government and the agitating farmers. The apex court, while hearing a batch of pleas challenging the laws, said that not a single plea filed has expressed that the farm laws are good. A bench that included the Chief Justice of India, S.A. Bobde, pulled up the centre for not being able to solve the farmers' problem. It said, and I quote, We are sorry to say that you, as the Union of India, are not able to solve the problem. You have made a law without enough consultation, resulting in a strike. So you have to resolve the strike. We do not know whether you are a part of the solution or a part of the problem. Unquote. The court also questioned the centre on why it has been insisting on the implementation of the new farm laws. It said, and I quote again, If you have some sense of responsibility and if you say you will withhold the implementation of laws, we will form a committee to decide. We don't see why there should be an insistence that the laws must be implemented at any cost. Unquote. The court recommended a stay on the implementation of the three farm laws and proposed the setting up of a committee. The Solicitor General saw today's time to suggest names for the committee. Advocate Dushyant Dave, appearing for a farmers' group, told the court that the farmers would not be holding the tractor march on January 26, that is Republic Day. The court responded by saying that it was glad to hear so. On the deaths that have taken place and the conditions of biting cold affecting older people at the protest sites, the top court said to the centre, and I quote, Some people have committed suicide. Old people and women are a part of the agitation. People are suffering in the cold. What is happening? Unquote. On being requested by the Attorney General not to pass the orders today, the court said, and I quote again, Why not? We have given you a very long rope. Do not lecture us on patience. We will decide when to pass the order. We might pass it in part today and in part tomorrow. Unquote. While hearing a plea on removing the farmers from the protest site, the Chief Justice of India said that the bench will not alter its previous order. The order had said that the farmers could continue protests in a peaceful manner. The court added, however, that it will think of changing the site of protest. 
Meanwhile, after being forced to cancel his rally on the farm laws because of the agitating farmers in Haryana, Chief Minister Manohar Lal Khattar accused opposition parties and state Bharatiya Kisan Union leader Gurnam Singh Chanduni of inciting people to disrupt law and order. The Chief Minister also asserted that the centre will not repeal its new agriculture laws. In response, Chanduni said that he and other farmers will protest against any rally organised by the BJP that tries to persuade people to support the farm laws. He added, and I quote, Yes, we did not allow Haryana Chief Minister Khattar Sahab to hold a rally in Kaimal. BJP said that they will hold 700 rallies to break our movement and we will protest against such BJP rallies. Unquote. The centre and the farm leaders are scheduled to hold their next round of talks on January 15th. The Chief Minister of Puducherry, V. Narayan Swami, said yesterday that the Lieutenant Governor of the Union Territory, Kiran Bedi, was not allowing the elected government to function by interfering in the day-to-day administration. The Chief Minister, who heads the Secular Democratic Front Alliance government in the Union Territory, along with multiple other colleagues, has been holding a sit-in protest for three days now, demanding Bedi's removal from the post. He was also joined by members of the Congress Party, his cabinet as well as MLAs from the Communist Party of India and the Communist Party of India Marxist. The protesters have been camping about a kilometre away from Bedi's resident in the Anna Salai area. On Bedi's interference in the decision-making, the Chief Minister told NDTV and I quote, She is now returning files, overruling the decision of the cabinet, overruling the decision of the minister. This is not the job of the Lieutenant Governor. She has no independent power or authority. She has no respect for law or constitution. She acts like she is the constitution herself. Unquote. Citing an example, the chief minister said, and I quote again, The government had decided to give 1,000 rupees to people as a gift on the occasion of Pongal, but a dispersal of only 200 rupees was allowed. Unquote. The chief minister added that the demand to recall Bedi was not a new one, but he hit the streets now as she was overreaching her powers more than ever before. Adding that the Prime Minister Narendra Modi was not paying attention to his demands, Narayan Sami said, and I quote again, The Prime Minister is not taking any step because it is a Congress DMK government here. So we are agitating in a peaceful manner. She, that is Bedi, is afraid of facing us. When we sat on a dharna in 2019, she ran away to Delhi. Unquote. According to a Hindustan Times report, in February 2019, the Chief Minister and his Cabinet colleagues had held a protest against Lieutenant Governor Bedi in relation to a public distribution scheme. The Chief Minister and Bedi have often been at loggerheads, but the current protests hold more significance as they come at a time when elections are just round the corner in Puducherry. The bird flu or avian influenza outbreak has been confirmed in nine states across India so far. Maharashtra and Delhi today confirmed the outbreak. Besides this, Uttar Pradesh, Kerala, Rajasthan, Madhya Pradesh, Himachal Pradesh, Haryana and Gujarat have been also affected by the spread of the infection. The Centre's Department of Animal Husbandry and Daring issued a statement yesterday confirming the outbreak in multiple states. It also issued advisories to the states affected, according to which samples of migratory dead birds should be collected cautiously and under scientific supervision. It added that surveillance should be extended to all wetlands and habitats that host migratory birds and areas with any possibility of interaction of migratory birds and poultry birds. The affected states have also been asked to send weekly reports to the Ministry. Dr. Rakesh Singh from the Animal Husbandry Unit of the Delhi Development Department said that the flu was confirmed after testing eight samples from dead crows and ducks. He added that a drive to cull ducks has begun at the Sanjay Lake, where 10 ducks were found dead recently. The Delhi Development Authority has already closed down Horskas Park, Dwarka Sector 9 Park, Hatsal Park and Sanjay Lake as a precautionary measure. 
In Maharashtra, the district collector told NDTV that the epicenter of the outbreak, Parbhani, was situated about 500 kilometers away from the state capital, Mumbai. He added, and I quote, about 800 poultry birds, all hens, died in the last two days. Their samples were given for testing and now it is confirmed that the reason is bird flu, unquote. The district collector said that a prohibitory zone in the 10-kilometer radius of the area where the birds died had been created. He added that no birds would be transported from there to any other place. Medical examination had begun at the nearby village where the confirmation of the infection came from. Chief Minister Udhav Thakre was scheduled to hold a meeting to review the bird flu situation in the state at 3 p.m. today. In Uttar Pradesh too, the Animal Husbandry Department is putting in place several precautionary measures while urging people to avoid going to zoos and bird sanctuaries and coming in contact with any kind of bird. Chhattisgarh, where samples of dead birds have been sent for testing, also ramped up measures to contain the spread of the outbreak. Delhi Chief Minister Arvind Kejriwal, meanwhile, announced a ban on the import of live birds to Delhi as a precautionary measure. Please consider this a trigger warning as the following news story may contain instances of violence. The Uttar Pradesh police said yesterday that a minor rape survivor in Bareilly district lost her life owing to pregnancy-related complications at the district hospital. The 15-year-old girl was seven months pregnant. The hospital's medical officer said that the minor was admitted to the hospital on 2nd of January. Her health worsened and she died on January 7th. The girl was allegedly raped by a 30-year-old man in a sugarcane field in June last year. The girl's family said they came to know about her pregnancy on December 6th. Her father had then sought permission from the district administration to abort the baby. They were, however, denied permission by the authorities as doctors pointed out that she was already six months pregnant and the police investigation was going on. Senior Superintendent of Bareilly Police said that according to the post-mortem report, the death had taken place due to infection. The girl's father had filed a rape complaint at Fatehgarh West Police Station last week. The accused had also allegedly threatened to kill the girl's family members if she disclosed to them what had happened. Police officials said that the accused has been booked under the POSCO Act and several sections of the Indian Penal Code. Talking about Uttar Pradesh, the state is increasingly becoming infamous for heart-wrenching caste and gender-based crimes, while the state's police faces a slew of allegations over mishandling of cases. One such instance of inconsistency on the police's part is how it has been using the state's new anti-conversion law arbitrarily. On December 17, the Uttar Pradesh police arrested six family members of Muhammad Javed after he was named in a missing persons FIR in ETA. A week later, eight distant relatives of his were arrested as well. They stand accused of abducting a Hindu girl, forcibly converting her to Islam and coercing her into an interfaith marriage. This is one of at least 13 cases where the police have made arrests under the Uttar Pradesh Prohibition of Unlawful Conversion of Religion Ordinance 2020, even though the alleged offences took place before the Love Jihad law, as the ordinance is infamously known, came to force. The ordinance has been criticised as an unconstitutional and draconian piece of legislation aimed at employing the bogey of Love Jihad to target interfaith marriages, especially where the man is Muslim. Love Jihad is a conspiracy theory propagated by right-wing extremists, according to which Muslim men seduce Hindu women with the sole purpose of converting them to Islam. The arbitrariness with which the Uttar Pradesh police is using this law has only deepened these fears. And now for some international updates. Globally, COVID-19 has infected more than 90 million people so far. Over 1.9 million people have lost their lives to the virus since it began. The US, India and Brazil continue to have the highest COVID caseload in the world. More countries are bracing to contain the new mutant version of the virus. Russia today confirmed the first case of the new coronavirus strain in the country. 
This came after the country had suspended flight operations with the United Kingdom where the mutant strain had originated. In France, the government's scientific advisor recommended closing its borders with the UK and other countries that have a strong presence of the mutant variant. England's chief medical advisor Chris Whitty meanwhile warned that the worst is yet to come for the country as the new highly infectious variants of the virus make their way across the country. In other COVID-related international news, a World Health Organization team of experts tasked with investigating the origins of the pandemic is scheduled to arrive in China on 14th of January. The announcement was made today by China's National Health Authority, whose permission was awaited for the team's entry into the country. The team was initially aiming to enter China in early January for the investigation, but their arrival was delayed due to lack of authorization from Beijing for their entry. And now for some homegrown stuff from Newslaundry.com. Not a single year goes by when some part of our country or the other is struck by a natural disaster. This year was no different with floods, cyclones, droughts and wildfires. Add to that the COVID-19 pandemic. In episode 148 of Reporters Without Orders, I was joined by our Assam correspondent Supriti David to discuss the devastating annual floods in Assam caused by the Brahmaputra River. Supriti covered a stretch of over 1,000 kilometers across the banks of the treacherous river to document the aftermath of the floods and she came back with some eye-opening yet heartbreaking reports that we discussed in the podcast. Please do give it a listen. You'll find it on our website, newslaundry.com. That's all for today. Have a great day or a good night, depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.